every single year we see a lot of tourbillon watches that just take my breath away and I start to sit there and plot in my mind, how do I afford one of these? What can I do to own this? And I, I love that feeling, you know, it's sort of a very motivating feeling. It sort of gets you out of the bed like in the morning. I gotta I gotta do something in the world to, you know, afford more of these watches I love. And no one really talks too much about that, but you know, the dream of getting that watch pushes people to do great things and some not so great things. You don't really get that from just seeing pictures on Instagram. Welcome to A Blog to Watch Weekly with Rick and Ariel. On the second episode from this year's Watches and Wonders, the guys are joined by Zach and my favourite, David. The guys talk about how the sausages are made as they unload about the technicalities of photographing watches at shows. We cover Rolex resentment as we explore further the launch of the Lefty O'Clock GNT, and as the guys start to talk show top 10, is anything from Rolex this year good enough to make the list, new Ulysses Nardin, Vacheron, and even Hublot bringing their A-game. Enjoy the show! Greetings, welcome back to a blog to watch weekly. Sounds like there's a train running underneath us. I think it's the Roger de celebrating its existence. All oh, right, okay. they're still in business. Yay! <laughs> the Excalibur psychedelic experience. Uh, oh, is yeah. that right? I've not actually witnessed this. I've heard all about it. The Excalibur psychedelic experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. King Arthur gives you a special mission. Right. And you have to wear an Excalibur and survive. All and right, it's okay. all in your head. Just sit in the booth on the couch, <laughs> order a drink, and let your mind take you to a new place. It does sound a little bit like the end of Lord of the Rings over there. So the Excalibur thing yeah. is accurate. Stuff. That's so gnarly. What's going on over there? Well, if you can hear that in the background, we do apologize. We'll do our best to edit out. But it does sound like there's a thousand children all jumping up and down at the same time, wishing that they too had Roger DeDuise. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we are joined by the crew, but we have a voice you've not heard from the last show, which is Zach. Zach, how are you doing? Gentlemen, great to be here. Thank you. I'm well. Thanks. Appreciate it. In a time of inaccuracy. In a world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Zach, how have you found it? This this noise is rather perturbing because through my headphones it's like no it's intense i uh, like they put the media room right here yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah some it's over in like the guys like, at oh, roger Dubuis, yeah. there we go. we're yeah. in the oh. dedicated broadcasting room it's supposed to have some sound isolation for <laughs> oh, seriously though where's my sword i feel like i should be charging up the hill to helm's deep or something like what's going on here well that yeah. appears to be over from roger i think i think the point ever. is that being at this show is being taken away to another world we don't know what day of the week it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There could be another war and we wouldn't know about it. <laughs> We're really in the microcosm of the luxury watch world, which is something which we all haven't experienced in a few years now. Yeah, and that's true. I'd almost forgotten how tired you can be. I mean, it's been two years since you really go into the red. Yeah, it's a world of sleep deprivation. It's a world of explosions and Roger Dubuis over the topness. A world of beige. Who's been the most, who is the most over the top, the most extra installation of the show? Besides Roger. Ooh, That's quite here's clear. Here's a good question. Hublot has a, Hublot has a big rotating like Mars ball or something. It's like a lava ball. Do you see that? Yeah, the and they're also playing like very kind of ominous music. And so you walk into the booth and you're like, <laughs> you get this weird sense of like doom as you walk into <laughs> At the, the Hublot booth. booth, the graphics there, there's like these digital graphics. Uh-huh. That's an NFT that they're now selling. Yes. Oh, of course it of is. Of course it is. I saw JCB <laughs> lining up there oh. with the big crowds this morning to launch it. I'm not sure what he's No, he was. has no association with no, it anymore. He was, he, he, was, he was certainly there, uh, not very far away from it. I think the Ulysses Nardan had their shark removed, which was a story. They did have the shark removed. They had to remove their shark. Was it too offensive? Probably it was, yeah, going against the rules of having a fun element in the corridor somewhere. <laughs> uh, we've, yeah, we've definitely been been 
seeing a lot more watches over the last few days. Some beautiful high-end pieces. It's funny, you know, not that we're in the market for high-end tourbillons, but every single year we see a lot of tourbillon watches that, I don't know about you guys, just take my breath away, and I start to sit there and, you know, plot in my mind, how do I afford one of these? This industry still has the ability to create watches that at least a few times during the show, I'm sure you put it on, you're like, what can I do to own this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I love that feeling. You know, it's sort of a very motivating feeling. It sort of gets you out of the bed like in the morning. I got I to gotta do something in the world to, you know, afford more of these watches I love. And no one really talks too much about that. But, you know, the dream of getting that watch pushes people to do great things and some not so great things. But, <laughs> you know, the, you don't really get that from just seeing pictures on Instagram. Yeah. So what's the highlight so far? I think we're all quite taken by Ulysses Narva. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Normally, in past years, we'd meet with brands like Ulysses Nardon, and it'd be like tray after tray, like, here's new watches, and here's the new line extensions. And we're just like, oh, my God, what do we do? Now we're like, it's just three? Mm-hmm. Like, really, is it just end. three? And all high-end watches. Yeah, right. The lowest-priced one was like, you know, $30,000, $40,000. And this is a brand that has, you know, watches starting about six or $7,000. Like, no mention of that of any kind. There are some new ones under embargo, but, you know, they were kind of on the fence. Yeah, but the thing is, we're all out here. We travel out here. It's not exactly cheap. We can respect embargoes. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, Even if others can't, was that? It's not hard to schedule a post yeah, and <laughs> at or immediately after an embargo. And it's going to take an entire year to realize this. Like next year, they're like, yeah, oh, I true. guess we can go back to the way things used to you know be. What so. I was, you know what I was kind of expecting to see more of? And, and maybe we just haven't, you know, we still have we still have a decent number of meetings left. I know Grand Seiko has their constant force, uh, which is really exciting to see that cased, that movement cased in a, you know, a, a fully wearable prototype, which we're going to photograph tomorrow, I believe. During our touch and feel session? Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> what, what, what alternate names have we come Show up with that tell. so far? Yeah. Show and tell. Show and tell. Touch and feel. There's a Seinfeld joke in here. I don't scratch the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I was thinking. You know, we haven't we haven't hit the trade show circuit since 2019. Uh, some of us were on the road at the beginning of 2020 in Dubai. Um, so we've kind of seen things then. So essentially, two years where the brands have kind of been, we've been outside of the circuit. And I would have thought that the brands would have used this time to do more to release things that were kind of more pent up. And I still get a little bit of a sense of that some of the things that we're seeing now may have been intended for late 2020, maybe early 2021. Mm -hmm. We're still kind of working through the backlog, I think, a little bit. And we're not seeing some of the pieces that would have been, Ariel, to your point, like the crazy stuff. You know, Ulysses Nardone is a good example of not seeing like the crazy, crazy high-end stuff. And again, maybe there's more meetings to be had, but we're not seeing like the insane show pieces I think that we saw in previous years. Well, I think the consensus is the last two or three years, depending on, on, on what brand and perspective have not been used that wisely from our vantage point. Right. This like is we're true. not really sure what they've done with this time. Now, the one thing that no one's talked about is the continuing supply chain issues, right. both internally here in Switzerland and externally from suppliers from other countries right. that has affected output so the brands aren't making new models because they still have a backlog of other watches they were supposed to make. And no one has really been talking about this at the brands. Now, privately before the show, interviewing a lot of brands, asking about it, they happily will talk about it, admit that there are huge delays. But we see a return to put on your best face. 
put on your, 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 you know, your most persuasive smile, never talk about anything negative. And, you know, we're not here just to talk about new products. We're here to talk about what the brands are up to because, you know, consumers care about that. And we see sort of a return to that being uh, very difficult to get that side of the story. In addition to not that many new watches. We're happy the show is going on. It's lovely. There are a lot of new watches here, but again, I think we're all a little bit disappointed that brands didn't take more advantage of these last several years. It really looks like some of them were just sort of sitting on their hands. Well, and you kind of notice that a little bit with the show's layout as well, too. And not to disparage anything that's happened with the show, we're all, you know, we're stoked to be here. We're stoked to see old, you know, old friends and familiar faces, but everybody has, you know, we've kind of heard this being talked about en masse is that you walk into the show and you get this weird sort of sense of deja vu and that, like, Rolex is here on the left. Tudor's just past Rolex. Paddock is across from Rolex. Cartier is just around the corner. Where, where's the escalator? Oh, I thought we were at Basel World. Oh, no, we're <laughs> in Geneva. I have no idea what planet we're on or what year it is. And it's a it's a really, really strange feeling. You know, you look at like, okay, guys, we had two years to maybe reshuffle the deck a little bit. Nah, we're just going to clone stamp <laughs> the last but they're thing. They're so it comfortable really well. with familiarity, they're aren't they? very comfortable with it, yeah. It's been fun for me seeing behind the scenes of what you guys do and how, how the sausages are made, so to speak, uh, and all of you taking your photographs and all the kit and caboodle. I know that some people do like to hear about how the photography bit works. So having observed all three of you, what has been the most challenging, either stand, watch to actually get a quality photograph of, or what is it that you've noticed that you're still upset three years later they still haven't figured out that you should paint rooms white rather than black or i have a question who's told these people that a photography room should be black <laughs> what photographer has ever ordered this uh-huh. nobody was ever asked and just one started copying the other like oh that's what it looks like time, <laughs> the photography room is black so i've started trying to figure out what professional photography uses a completely black room they don't want reflections. That 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 is the only explanation I heard. But that's all we want. Maybe you think that it's a dark room and you're going to like manually expose these photographs with your chemical tray. Give it. A There's shake. a lot of different types of creators here. You have video creators. You have people that bring their own lights. You have people that are just shooting with their phones. And some of the booths are clearly set up for people who just are shooting pictures with their phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that with Mont Blanc yesterday. Where you, the room was blue. It was uh, the size of a broom closet. But it had good lights in it. There was brooms in it. <laughs> it was very, very clearly set up for people that had, you know, didn't bring any of their own strobes or anything like that. Don't necessarily do their own stunts. They just want, you know, cool photos of the watches. So we were able to kind of manipulate the existing lights that were there to kind of bounce things around. And actually, we got some pretty cool moody shots of, uh, you know, the new divers. There's a chronograph, I think. So some cool stuff from Mont Blanc. Those rooms are always funny. I've I've been a long time proponent of of the fact that. The code 1159 at SIHH in 2019 was doomed because the room that it was launched in, that everybody was taking photos of it, was purple. It was a purple room. It was dark. The lights that. were terrible. I remember the that. The watch is already extremely, exceedingly difficult to photograph. David has some amazing photos of it. It's exceedingly difficult to photograph. Even two years later, I still think about how hard that watch is to photograph. Uh, and that room did it no favors at all. So There's like I, one angle at which you can photograph and another angle in which the light can come and then that's it any (laughs) other option is just like you know the hands disappear into the dial or the crystal or whatever hublot produced a classic fusion version of the orlinski it's a three-hander and it's like designed to absorb light (laughs) like the moser a little bit yeah it's just it's so reflective and there's all these weird angles and facets to it it just absorbs light such a weird watch 
you know, it's but I think the funny thing is like the brands continue like they they hi they want media. In fact, media is their most valued guest here. It's not yeah. even retailers anymore. Yet the booths aren't even set up for media at all. It's still or a ask us butt. like, hey guys, what do you need? Like, do you need or maybe have like a dark room and then a white room? Why does it have to be like just all dark and dark blue and whatever and useless spaces for photography? And don't put the audio booth next to Roger Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Richard, you make a good point though. I mean, the, the, the goal here is for us to shoot as many photos as possible. We can produce content for you know the next weeks or months or whatever for the audience various different types of media also video photo stuff for social media stuff for long lead uh for the site i mean there's there's everybody kind of going into the meetings everybody has sort of their own objectives and everything and it is it is uh it is it is fun to your point to see kind of how everybody gets their shots but this has been an interesting show for for uh for shooting photos for sure because i think we're seeing a lot of the familiar patterns again yeah. with no one having learned anything yeah. in the last two years of, of, of absence with um, regards to photography it also comes down to watch design you know like a, 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 a glossy uh, crystal you know without ar coding a, a glossy dial and then shiny hands on top of it. everything is shiny and it just looks terrible and it looks terrible to your eye and of course sometimes photography just enlarges or ampl amplifies those effects but you look at the picture and you know like most of the beautifully legible nice watches that people actually like photograph really well That's and the true. moment when it just gets sketchy and you see like oh we just threw this one together and you know just whatever it will t probably it will look pretty bad and some of the brands don't really understand that you're like why do people like the speedmaster because it's legible and the contrast is there the textures are good the whole thing it just works and now i look at a cartier and it looks like basically a six grand cartier that looks like a plastic watch with plastic hands and a plastic dial with those terrible like if you buy like a really cheap like $50 watch or maybe like a $200 fashion watch and those have those shiny silvery numerals applied to the dial that look like stick on and the Cartier has exact I, I try I was sitting there zooming in on my photos and my camera and I was trying to differentiate like how is this technique different to whatever I see on a $200 fashion watch and it's not you're bringing up a really valuable point David that these days brands might want to design watches that are photogenic because mm. people are going to be posting them on Instagram and taking pictures of them for blog good to point. watch. And the ones that might look great in person, but don't look good in pictures, they're not going to garner as much interest. Yeah. I've been saying that for years. I've been saying that for years. David, you make a good point about the Speedmaster. Like there's part of the reason why like Speedy Tuesday is such a thing is because everybody on Instagram can participate. And because the Speedmaster is photogenic, it has a matte dial. It's very easy to photograph. I mean, the domed crystal is, is whatever, but like the litmus test is whether or not you can photograph something with an iPhone relatively easily. And then you a have mobile, Panerai, which is yeah. unphotographable <laughs> in <Exactly>. any light. <laughs> uh, this is true. Unphotographable goes to our friend, uh, Laurent Ferrier, uh, who does not believe in AR coding, has Sorry. interesting, but, this is another good example of a watch that is virtually impossible to photograph, but just absolutely stunning in the metal. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, it's, he clearly has an old school ethos behind the products that he produces because they're meant to be sort of appreciated in the moment and not in photo. And I can absolutely appreciate that sentiment, assuming that he does know what air coating is and chooses <laughs> not to put it on his watches. I feel like it's also bait to customers. Like uh, imagine the average customer just going to the Rolex boutique, like never, never seen, probably have never seen a Rolex in their life. That totally happens. They sit there, they look at the watch and, it, and if it's not all shiny, 
they're like, oh, well, this is like kind of cheap or whatever. That's why the crystal is also like full of reflections of the hundred spotlights over your head. It, the whole thing is just blinding you. And that gives you this impression of, of, of expensiveness. There have been some good entry-level watches here, really good high-end stuff. At least we have a good variety. Sometimes the shows seem like they just focus on the high-end. Oris mm. uh, was a particular highlight for me this morning. Yeah, why is that? Only released one watch. Came to a watch show and they released one watch. And then there's a whole load of stuff that's coming to yeah, report to. Yeah, it's quite different than what you used to see. I mean, Oris, especially in the past. I mean, Zach, I remember past years. It was just like an insane amount of things. They had quite a bit of stuff coming. I, mean, I think it's going to be a pretty good, it's going to be a hot Oris summer. Hot Oris summer, mm. I'm calling it right now. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good summer for Oris, I think. Um, you know, the Pro Pilot X in 39 millimeters and titanium is essentially the watch that everybody wanted back when they did the big Pro Pilot with the right, skeleton right. dial. In titanium, it's such a cool case. It's a cool bezel. Yeah. It's a cool bracelet. They just took the whole thing and they shrunk it by what three, four millimeters or something. It wears really beautifully. So, Richard, to your point, like, yeah, it was a little bit of a letdown is the wrong word because we shot and they launched that watch two or three weeks ago ahead of the show. It's exciting to see a lot of cool stuff in the booth, but also you kind of have to sit on your hands and uh, yeah. And we have to start May thinking about our our top ten list, you know. This mm. is true. This is it's going to be a this challenge this year. There's but we, you know I think we've all seen at least a couple of watches that we would be more than happy to consider purchasing at yeah, some point. Absolutely. At, at some particular price. I wonder if Rolex will make that top 10 list at all. We'll Ooh. find out. Oh man, that's this is a whole a separate podcast topic, but I feel like the there's a there's a palpable air of resentment mm. in the air yeah. around the Rolex back, yeah. booth. Yeah. And you know in previous years Everybody would crowd around the booth, see what was new. You'd have people saying, oh, it's cool. Oh, it's not cool. It's this. Oh, it's that. But it wasn't as, uh, I don't know. The, it wasn't. You know what my top Rolex was? Okay. Uh, they didn't show it to us. It's in the window. It's a version of the Day-Date Precedent. Yellow gold, black onyx dial, baguette diamond hour marker. That is the top one for me. <laughs> it sounds like 50 grand. Uh, it's forty-five. Okay. It won't matter because you're not going to get one anyway. So he's not. He's spending. He's spending in his head. That is exact. That's exactly. That's exactly the spirit. You can't. Ha- you, you. There are no Rolex conversations that happen in in this in this era. atmosphere <laughs> in this era without that caveat. Oh, yeah. it's cool, but you can't buy one. And I think that's where the resentment is coming from. Nobody can even mention Rolex anymore or even appreciate something because they know. In the back of their minds, they're probably not going to have a shot at it, and I think that's a it's a it's a completely self defeating, self fulfilling prophecy essentially. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, oh, I mean, I like, I actually do quite like the Destro GMT Master. Um, I I would have loved to have seen the date at three o'clock as opposed to nine o'clock, more similar to the Tudor LHD. Just because I think that that's what's throwing people off on that watch is not that the crown's at left o'clock at uh, nine o'clock. It's that the date is also left at nine o'clock. o'clock. I like yeah, that. Left <laughs> o'clock is that's a good that's a good term. It's a yeah. good yeah. name for the right. too. Yeah, <laughs> left o'clock, lefty o'clock. That's <laughs> 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 uh, so the green that gets the I- Irish Irish <laughs> green go. into it. The See? lefty o'clock. We, we, have, we hereby officially yep. commandeer the hashtag lefty o'clock. Lefty o'clock. <laughs> you know, I had I had a lot of questions. I posted a photo of that on IG, and I had a lot of questions about people saying why I wasn't wearing it on my right hand. And have you ever tried to hold a camera with your left hand? Yeah. That can't be Nobody done. Thinks to do, do, they make, do they make cameras for left-handed oh, people? I'm sure Leica will probably have something <laughs> that will be three times the price and unavailable. As a lefty, I can say no. <laughs> they don't, yeah. No, okay, no perfect. it doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. A market somebody's missing. Well, but, but it's true. The top 10 lists are in the works. David, that's a great point about whether or not Rolex is on there. 
I you have you have the you have the shots of it. I think of of all of us who shot it. But that uh, the platinum date just with the blue dial and the fluted bezel and platinum date is date eight, excuse me yeah, yeah uh, is yeah. really something. Blue dial has some great shots. Yeah. yeah. So quickly around the table, anything in like making the top going to be considered that you've seen so far? I gotta say the Cartier mysterious mass, which is not a medical condition, is really cool because. This is sort of a very emotionally provocative watch. You have a watch, and I know that this is in development for a while. They've had it ready. It is a thick platinum case, I think, or white gold. I think it's platinum. The rotor is the movement. So you see this rotor spinning around, and you realize like, that is the movement. So otherwise, it, looks, it goes straight to your, your wrist. And, and a lot of people comment how much they hate seeing their own wrist. Yeah. So these transparent dials, like, I don't want to see my own wrist. But otherwise, technically interesting provocative very sort of french and poetic perfect cartier high-end stuff goes back to the era of like the astro tourbillon and crazy things like that that we saw cartier cartier on your list yeah for sure david oh well i i'm tempted to uh to choose super high-end stuff but i really don't want to you know just take it anything that you i feel like you should i feel like you should freak ass i would choose the freak ass no contest i mean that's just i i look at it and i i like it when i look at a watch a complicated watch and i have no idea how they made it work you know like that spaceship kind of minute hand with the two balance wheels on it like how much that needs all the torque in the world you know just to be able to to rotate so that is such an elegant solution i i really like that Really and it's cool. really fun to, to have that in your hand and look at it. And for me, so you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking, how do, how do they make it work? In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I need somebody to explain this to me. Yeah, <laughs> explain all the things to me. Yeah. And there is that sort of childlike wonder that like gets people into watches at an early age and kind Big of hooks time. you. You know, that feeling doesn't go away when brands like UN are doing cool mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so for you also, though? You know, I, 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 really, I really did love that. For me, um, I... At SIHH a bunch of years ago, the watch that kind of made me fall in love with with uh, Vacheron Constantin was a was an ultra thin overseas. And you know the way Vacheron does their gold bracelets and the super thin cases is nobody does anything like Vacheron does in the bracelet. And the new the new two 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 is is uh it's it's weird because we're not we haven't seen a lot of like vintage reissue vintage inspired there are actually very few of these types of watches at the show which is maybe again another separate podcast entirely um but the 222 really stands out as it is a vintage reissue it's almost a shot for shot re-edition of the high sec uh edition but it's not limited it's really beautifully made, um, and yeah, it just it just sings. So that that is at the top of my list, and that's maybe a contender for best in show, um, which is a weird thing to say for a watch that technically existed mm-hmm. uh, forty five years ago or whatever. But uh, there's still cool. a few meetings to go. Still Many. a few to go. A good, a good uh, half a week <laughs> plus everything else. Uh, what about all, you, Richard? How, how, well, I, I'm probably leaning towards the triple two, the two two two. Yeah. Fashion. I've always liked that. Or- that's already been said. Yeah. It's a top 10 list. A top 10 list. So what's impressed me? Well, he's already chosen. You got to pick a number dance. two. I've got yeah. find, to find yeah. a different brand. Oh, I can't say GLC because it was a watch that isn't yet released. Uh, the shoulders. Would it be acceptable to say that actually I quite like the Hublots? Yeah, those are Absolutely. great. I mean, I don't think they make anything other than the really basic models that you would wear on a daily basis. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we've seen this. That Orlinsky is amazing. It's, yeah. it's awesome on the bracelet. It's a lot of, David, you said, it's a lot of, 
It's a lot of showy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the coolest thing about that watch is you, you look at it on your wrist and it looks one way and you hit it with a flash and it's a completely different watch the way the flash reacts to all the different facets and angles of the crystal. Ubla makes you smile. Like it no really other does. Yeah. Spin the Murakami. You go into the booth, you got to spin the Murakami. It's what you do. <laughs> and buy the NFT. <laughs> <laughs> buy the NFT. That's what the NFT is. It's a Murakami watch. Like a like an eight bit version of it, Richard. I'm with you on on Ublo. I think that's a brand that a lot of people don't fully understand. But when you see everything kind of laid out in front of you, Ariel, to your point, it's just a it's a smile factory for sure. And then finally, there's been a couple of parties you've attended. Any any highlights from there? Rolex, Tudor. I I got some Chupard. culture last night with Chopard, uh, hearing beautiful live uh, concerto with a, a violinist and a pianist. That was excellent. You know, again, I, I, I forget what it's like to be sitting in this chateau, which is like, I don't know, three, four hundred years old and eating sort of a fancy French meal and drinking wine that you just can't even get in the States at any price. And it's just like unbelievably good. And, you know, you remember that this is about not just watches, but it's about travel and gastronomy and music and this whole like lifestyle of the finest. And it's. It doesn't represent our day-to-day lives, but it's so nice to take a little vacation to it every once in a while. Well, I think you're definitely seeing a little bit of the pent-up, like, hey, we haven't done this in two years, and the brands are really, you know, again, familiar faces and old friends, and it does feel like, uh, you know, we got the band back together, and that's a cool feeling for sure. Good stuff. And finally, finally, best swag so far? Um, whatever we just, you know, threw in our bags. A little, cl- <laughs> little clutch. No I, I haven't actually, I haven't actually looked at anything yet. Good Swiss chocolate. You know, Oris, Oris has a pretty good, the Oris bear sweatshirt. I think my wife is going to get that one when I get home. Hublot gave us some tea, I think. It was yeah. a big wooden box filled with oh, the tea, dried yeah. leaves. And I was like, is it herbs and spices? And no, it's tea. It's tea. Just All wait right. to try and get that through security. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say that. That's not going to pass customs for sure. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thank you for joining us. Tune in later on for even more plenty of coverage on the website of everything some great photos and videos by all of these guys so check out and be sure to check out the youtube channel as well so final thoughts there's still more to come we have i mean at least another 20 or even 30 brands or more to see so you know sort of our best of show things what we've seen so far this is a quiet show compared to others which means we'll probably be able to get through a lot of it and right now we're just in full-on like marathon mode. We're sort of in the middle. We're trying to keep energy up. None of us have really, as Zach said, been accustomed to this sort of like persistent level of day-to-day, every hour of the day we're, we're doing something. So um, I think it's espresso time. Good See stuff. You See you later. Goodbye from all of us. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Talk soon, everyone. Good stuff, fellas. Cheers.